0: Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm Dwayne Forrester, and this is the weekly digital marketing podcast from Bruce Clay, Inc. I'm joined by social media editor, Christy Kellogg, content manager, Virginia Nussi, and SEO manager, Rob Ramirez today. It's just the third week of the year, and already there's a lot to talk about in the world of search. I mean... That core Google ranking algorithm update? We'll talk more about that in a minute. We also hosted a Twitter chat last week, the SEO chat. It was all about user experience and SEO. So we'll give you some highlights from that. And what would you do if you actually had a crystal ball and knew what was about to change in regards to how people use their phones or consume content? Well, we have something kind of like that. After the break, we'll let you in on some predictions from some trusted trend watchers around the world. First, though, Rob. Going to put the spotlight on you here. Can you tell us what's going on with the Google Algo update? Mass confusion, Dwayne.
2: (laughs) That's probably the best way to summarize it. You know, uh, Google... Uh, did push an algorithm update uh, they've confirmed uh, over the past weekend and when I, oh actually it was two weekends ago from when this airs there was a lot of confusion though about whether it was Panda or Penguin and Google indicated it was neither uh, but then there was also a, a post by Jennifer Sleg on the SEM post where she talked about Panda and a Google rep confirmed that Panda is now cooked into the algorithm and is running in real time and there was all kinds of tweets and confusion about that um, and I guess the bottom line is, we know there was an algorithm update. We know there was a core algorithm update. We don't know what it was really related to. In the data that we have access to, um, we saw some changes and fluctuations on sites that have had quality issues in the past. That was one of the aspects. We also though, saw some fluctuations for mobile rankings for some sites for localized results for other sites. So it's kind of a mixed bag at this point. Not quite sure what Google is doing and of course the situation that we're currently in with Google and uh, how they disseminate information to the SEO world and essentially they don't is is how they're doing it. Um, You know, we're kind of left to kind of just uh, continue on with best practices, analyze the data that we do have access to uh, and make sure that we, uh,
1: you know, protect our clients' interests in all instances. Yeah, you you mentioned it was confusing, and you know I felt that. I mean, uh, you know I was at the Affiliate Summit West conference earlier, and uh, earlier in the month, and and that's when this all hit. And uh, I started getting emails from people immediately, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on with this? Uh, you know, can you tell us about Penguin and and what's happening with this?" And you know, I'm, I'm literally sitting in my hotel room in Las Vegas, and I'm like, "What? What? What happened? Where now? You said what?" And and as we start digging into it, it became obvious that you know. You need to slow the horses down, right? This, this may not actually be what you think it is. Let's wait and see what happens. And in fact, Rob and I, we were back and forth on email having a bunch of conversations and, um, you know, went back to a few people and said, look, just, you know, slow your roll. Take it easy. It hasn't been confirmed that it's Penguin. We don't know that it's Panda. You know, uh, just because the company said, you know, in Q1 doesn't mean January 10th. There it is, right? Like, it, it will take time. And sure enough, later that day... The reps started coming online saying, no, this was a core algorithmic update. This is not one of the panda, penguin, hummingbird, whatevers. Um, so no furry creatures were smeared in the making of this algorithmic update this time. Um, but it is interesting to note that uh, we were actually told about it, that we were, it was confirmed with us because that's really not something Google does very frequently, you know? Yeah. But and I,
2: I I wonder, though, if it was because of all the chatter, right? Everyone is so, yeah. um, you know, hypersensitive to any kind of fluctuations right now, yeah. everyone waiting for Penguin to hit. Uh, yeah. So anytime that they see a lot of flux, I mean, Barry Schwartz has always – kind of uh trolling the webmaster world um you know uh you know looking for people complaining about algorithm fluctuations and then he kind of writes an article about it so he's first to the game but you know i think all the confusion maybe forced google force yeah. their hand in this instance where we've got to say something because people are going yeah, nuts
1: I, I suspect you're right because my my thinking is that they will tell us when it's panda and penguin. They're okay talking with us about that. There's an established pattern, the precedent is there. Yeah. Um, and those are very clear quality algorithmic updates. and so they want to send the message, get better or die yeah. and and so maybe not die. That might be a little strong. <laughs> but you know, get better. Let, let's let's just work in that direction. Um, And and this, I think, may have been an opportunity where they didn't really have a lot of choice because, you know, if if you have guesswork about this, then that kind of dilutes what you talk about later. And so so I, you know, I think this is awesome. I, for one, I'd I'd love to see more of this. I know most people would. um, But I think this is uh, this is fantastic. I'm hoping we can continue that role with them.
2: Yeah, you know, whenever they've had major algorithm updates in the past, um, well, obviously, Matt was there previously, right? Um, but they've also, you know, uh, posted blog articles. I mean, you know, this yeah. is the type of thing that would be a great signal for SEOs. Obviously, Google's uh, motivation for keeping a lot of this close to the vest is that whenever they tell us anything, uh it, it's a... It seems a matter of minutes before someone is trying to game it and spam it and you you think
1: that SEOs wait that long. Yeah, right. You're (laughs) right. So
2: So it really is, you know, what's their motivation for sharing information? But, you know, there is a community out there people who are doing a good job for their clients, uh, an industry behind this entire thing. And, uh, you know, for them to leave us in the dark this way, uh, they're really not doing a service to anyone. So Mm -hmm. I do hope that they change, at least when Penguin launches, that there is some kind of announcement. There is some kind of background on what it is they've changed and how they've changed it. Because as you said, you know, the cat's out of the bag there. We kind of know what that's about already. Um, just a matter of is it being refreshed? What's a little bit different? Uh, so hopefully they will announce it. But yeah, when you communicated with me over the weekend, it clearly wasn't Penguin, right? We we have access to a lot of data yeah. when it comes to Penguin, and we were not seeing any of it move one way or the other. So I was pretty confident when I e- confident when I had emailed you. I don't think this yeah. is Penguin. And sure enough, like you said, like five six hours later, Google confirmed the same. So uh, we, we still wait. Yes.
3: All right. Here's some other chatter that was happening in our industry this last week and that's our seo chat seo chat's a great twitter chat happens every thursday at 10 pacific and um basically a topic is chosen by the host and we got to host this week and so we took it upon ourselves to talk about usability user experience and these are going to be big topics this year i um, Rob, when we talked to you about your kind of resolutions for the year, you said it's, a, it's going to be focusing on user experience later in the show. When we talk about predictions, um, that some people are like Marcus Tandler is making, he's saying that we're going to be shifting a focus to user experience. So what do some top SEO industry chatters on SEO chat have to say about user experience? Um, first off, these are some of the questions we asked, like, what is UX
4: That's right. We did ask that, and what everybody seemed to be in consensus about was that user experience is every area of your site that a user interacts with. Um, uh, We talked about, is your site findable? Is it usable? Is it aesthetically pleasing? Um, And then we followed that up with asking who's responsible for user experience, and everybody said, everyone is responsible. Another thing about like these, re- these responses was, did you get the sense that
3: it was like a, a feeling it, user experience is the sense that somebody is happy or can satisfy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, there's kind of an end goal with, with usability testing and user testing. And it is worth noting as well, um, Sherry Thoreau and I had a conversation during the SEO chat, but offline, her and I were back and forth on DM on Twitter, and we, it was a very interesting conversation. She brought up something that I think is very important to note, and that is the difference between usability testing and user testing. And a lot of people get confused with it. They use the terms interchangeably. Um, you got to be careful with that, right? And, and I think that um, as an end goal, this is kind of the feeling that we were seeing, the sentiment that we were seeing was the... We want our user to be happy, to be satisfied. You know, There's not a lot of empirical data attached to that sentiment as it stands. Now, you can gather data that leads you to the understanding that someone is satisfied. Um, but, you know, that's what the testing is all about. And that's why it is so critically important. Um, I also had this feeling that as we were talking about it, it was kind of like, um, I don't want to say an echo chamber, but it was a... It was a moment where everyone who was participating, we all agreed. We were all in agreement and we all had a variety of different ideas that needed to be added in, which I think was perfect for our our SEO chat on Twitter because you can only express so much in 140 characters, but then the next person in line would add the next relevant thing and so on. And so I highly encourage folks, if you're interested in this topic, hit the hashtag and start copying some of that because there's a lot to be pulled out of it. Um, but what's, what's fascinating about it is, you know, we all, and if we look at this, uh, this engagement moment as a bit of a subset of some of the biggest and brightest names across the industry talking about something and the influence that they have on the businesses they work with, on their own businesses, clients, and so on, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how much louder do we need to beat this drum before the people making the work happen across most websites start to get the message and start to do these things. You know, um, I mean, we see it, Rob, we sit in client review meetings every week and, and we're looking at things and they're not technically SEO things like, you know, moving your signup block from one side of the page to the other side of the page to encourage engagement with it. That's not an SEO thing, but you know, it actually is a usability issue and it does affect user experience. It affects conversions and ultimately, it does affect that nebulous concept of satisfaction, which is demonstrated then with sharing and linking and social mentions and non-linked attribution and so on, which the engines do pick up on, you know? And so you have this full circle happening where you're doing this work, you're advising on this work. It's not technically SEO per se, and yet it does have an impact on it, you know? And that's, that's actually something I think you mentioned Marcus Tandler. um, That's actually something I think that, you know that concept is is generally what Marcus is thinking about, right? Is that that inclusion? It's like we don't think, you know, we don't we don't think just in one plane. We have to think broadly across all of it, and that's what we bring when we do this work. We we think of all of it, and we bring it all forward, um, and so it, it was a highly highly engaging SEO chat.
3: That's why UX is everybody's job. Yes.
4: I liked what um, Eric Lander said in the chat. He said, everybody is accountable and should take responsibility and run with it. So
1: I love that. Here's my challenge with it, right? Like I am 100% on board. These are words that I want to tell to my teams, but I need to define it. I need to be clear what that expectation is so that the person hearing it knows what their action is, right? Like if I tell you, you know, do something that increases satisfaction. That's pretty broad, right? That's that's pretty wide open. Um, but you know, you generally have a sense of the direction you should go in when it comes to building a website and you know, uh, revenue and engagement. You don't have that broadness. That that's really not an option for you. You need to be clearer about it. It needs to be more focused. So you know, this is why I was I was kind of blown away by the ideas and the thoughts that were shared. Uh, in the SEO chat, it was just, there was so much smart thinking pouring out on these topics that I, I was really impressed.
3: Can I talk about one, or we, talk about one other uh, of the questions on this chat, which was suggestions for creating graphics that don't look like stock photo garbage or videos on a budget?
4: Totally. We brought that up as part of the um, the user experience of rich media. Um, So nobody wants to see like a photo that looks like it's from a stock photo site. So one thing that we suggested was that you take your own photos, um, which is creative and hard, but it's worth it. Or you can use this site like stocksnap.io. That's one of the most unstockish photo sites you can find on the internet. Um, And it's amazing. Um, So anybody else want to share some tips?
2: Well, I definitely think the taking your own photos is very important. Um, I think it's for local especially, right? Uh, If you're a local business, um, having photos of your storefront, having photos of you in the community that you serve, kind of being active in that community. I mean, the the algorithms are looking out for things like that. They're going to be rewarding it in the future. And and even more importantly, your customers are looking for things like that, those types of signals. Um, So, you know, a a stock photo of a satisfied customer is not have the same impact as uh, the photo of someone who is actually in your community uh, being satisfied, um, you know, because it is connecting that local dot that that's really important to do if you're trying to service uh, one area in particular.
4: And we're all like savvy enough now to know when a stock photo is a stock photo. And that's like one of the characteristics of millennials, too, that they know when something is fake. So you can't put a stock photo in front of a millennial. They will leave your scent. <laughs> um that makes me
3: think of one of Bruce's predictions, um, which is kind of, you know, we'll talk more about it in the next segment after this break, but he said that millennials are going to be influencing a design surge. So I can, I could
1: easily see that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I find this highly fascinating because I've been keynoting and talking about millennials for um, a little over a year now, and it's been highly fascinating to have conversations with large, medium, and small businesses and see their reaction when you mention millennials, when you just say the word. And their reactions are usually quite engaging. They're, they're, no one is on the fence or no one is, oh, yeah, okay, like it's, it's not a big deal. They all know it's a big deal. The challenges that it often falls into, oh, millennials, or I'm really excited about it. They are going to make some smart things happen. Like there's, there's no middle ground here, you know, and businesses, they are going to have to change. There is no question about it. Um, It is, it is inevitable. Um, You know, I'm going to, I'm going to quote John F. Kennedy here. (laughs) Change is the law of life. And those who only look to the past are present certain to miss the future.
4: So we'll talk more about the future when we come back after this quick break. Um, Stay tuned for predictions from Marcus Candler, Cindy Crum, Larry Kim, and many more. More SEM Synergy on the way.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. With Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orange at BruceClay.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie. Okay, so I wanted to take you guys back for a second. Remember how it was the year of mobile for like eight years in a row? Yeah. And then now we're like actually there and we're beyond that. And everybody understands that uh, you are in the age of mobile. Businesses are kind of somewhere on this arc of understanding how to adjust their online marketing strategy to that. Um, But it's, you know, never too early to look ahead. So what is next? What are the trends that are going to give us the competitive advantage today? Uh, we asked that question of some of the industry's top minds, um, Bruce Clay, Dwayne, you're among them, mm-hmm. David Zetella, Cindy Crum, Eric Enga, Larry Kim, Maddie Carey, who you might not have heard of, but she was the 2015 U.S. Search Awards Young Search Profes- yep. Professional sure. of the Year, yep. and so somebody whose vision we were very interested in finding out about, Dan Petrovic, Richard Baxter, Marcus Tandler and Andre Alper rounded us out for some international flavor. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these predictions are on the blog, bruceclay.com slash blog, and the highlights of which we'll talk about now.
1: Awesome. This was really a lot of fun to work on, right? This was, um, it was always it was intriguing to get the thoughts back from all these folks, especially at this global view. Um, one thing that I noticed was I noticed the prediction that technical seo that came up like i think three times across people that technical seo is going to become more complex
3: that did and you know what if you go back so we've been doing this for 10 years now Mm -hmm. it's it's 1990 well bruce started the company in 96 Mm -hmm. in 2006 he started his predictions it's 2016 now so this is the 11th annual predictions bruce has been talking about the depth uh, and bra- breadth yes. of technical SEO for years, mm-hmm. so this was the first time he actually left it off the list.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I, again, you know, throughout the past year or so, I've been talking about this um, and the change in SEO, and you know, there's so much more to it. And I think if you if you read through all of what we've published in this blog post, like you start to see it, like you know, things like um, Andre. From Berlin, Andre Alper is talking about you know um, technical SEO grows in complexity and importance, and he's thinking about stuff like web security, defense against spam and hacking, privacy, HTTPS, and everything else, server configuration and hosting, page speeds, you know um, the complexity and non transparency of search or non transparency of search engine results, keyword position tracking when all results are heavily individualized, and so on. These are really interesting topics that don't have a, if you change the meta title tag, this will help you solution. And they often go way beyond the realm of an SEO. I mean, you know, influencing your server setup and your connection speeds and whatnot, important in the world of SEO, not usually something the SEO has direct control over.
3: Yeah, well, I've always thought about it as a a good a good um defense against the death of SEO
1: anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, SEO is not going anywhere, right? right. It, it's going to be around for a long long time.
2: Um I thought uh you Cindy Crumb's uh insights were really um, interesting and, and she's, uh, you know, the head over at Mobile Moxie, which is a great site. She has great blog articles. She's been talking about mobile and apps, uh, app development for a long time now. And it seems like everyone else is catching up with her finally, but yeah. she's still well ahead of the game. Um, she talks about app streaming, which I think is going to be a huge deal. You know, one of the problems with app development is that Google doesn't get a piece of that pie, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, any app, Presumably, all of that data is controlled by the business who developed the app and kind of private from Google's ability to include it in a SERP. So, of course, Google's gone out of their way to correct that, right, saying that they're going to host app content on the cloud, serve it to users directly so you don't have to download the app in order to experience the app. Right. So it saves space on your phone, um, but it's served from their servers. Well, it also obviously can then be included on SERPs and can have ads placed by Google on it. I mean, all of these things are definitely coming. Um, and she talks specifically about entertainment apps like Netflix, Amazon. Hulu, Pandora, Spotify, you know, uh, why would you download an app when it is available from the cloud without wasting storage space on your phone? And it makes perfect sense. And Google's already going this route. They're, they're starting to stream uh, a, pilot, uh, a pilot case of, of businesses have entered into the agreement with them. They're already streaming app content from the cloud. Um, and I think it has an opportunity, you know, because if Google's set on pr- making sure that this happens, it's going to happen. I think we can definitively say that. Um, and I think that's really going to change things. Uh, you know, it, it does remove the barrier that I've always thought existed when it came to apps, which is do I really want to put this on my phone, right? What's the value here of going through the trouble of downloading it, taking up space on my phone, having that icon always staring me in the face, even if I'm never using it? Well, Google's like, don't worry about that. We'll stream it for you. We'll house it. We have the data. You want it. No problem. Here it is. She also talks about app plugins, which I think is brilliant. I mean, it's, it's something I think that is coming. One of the barriers to really having an effective app is how, what about your audience, right? How large is your audience? How many people are going to download it and interact with your app? Well, what about people that are, um, already using Netflix, right? She talks about a potential app like Netflix nanny, right? That prevents your kids from watching more than an hour a day or a Chrome app plugin, uh, that lets you uh, take scrolling screenshots. Um, I think, you know all of these things are, are really uh really future looking and I think are gonna happen in the next year.
3: In the content space, um Dan had a mm-hmm. prediction about um well he, he backed it with some research that he's doing in Australia out of changing consumption behaviors. And yeah. I mean we read a lot of the internet, so we're probably among this group, the rise of skimmers. Yes. So it's nice to have a name for that kind of um, consumer. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I've known Dan for a few years and, um, uh, I can tell you that there's nothing that he does that doesn't have an extraordinary depth to it. So I have a lot of faith when he talks about these things. What's fascinating about this is, um, we generally knew this idea of scanning versus reading. I mean, we see it It's why words are highlighted and bolded in search results and whatnot. But, um, the, um, the challenge, I think, is how does that translate from SERP to, you know, page, to web page, to my web page, my content. And this study was really eye-opening in that, in that regard because what it tells us is we've essentially trained a generation of people now to not read but to skim the content. And so you have scant seconds to make them want to stay with you. And it's incredibly important. And I think Dan sums this up beautifully. You know, we've been living in the age of okay content. And we all talk about this, right? Like, do you make excellent content? Well, of course I make excellent content. Really? And then you throw out all kinds of reasons why, right? I have these processes. I have these benchmarks. I have all of this. The fact is, the judgment of whether you have excellent content is whether people engage with it and stay engaged with it. And so unless you're focused on that and able to move that needle you're focusing on the wrong things and you're missing opportunities. You know, and Dan's point is bang on, right? 2016, okay content is not gonna cut it. And this feeds back to what Rob is talking about with apps and being able to stream this content. People don't want okay or bits of something. They want what they want. And we have the technology to deliver it now. So so I'm 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 on board with with Dan's thinking on this.
4: Eric Enger from Stone Temple Consulting is um, really optimistic about 2016 for content, and he predicted that the rise of content quality and user engagement as ranking factors will begin to be broadly accepted. Um, And he thinks that more SEO agencies will correspondingly promote content services, which is something we've done for a long time and continue to do. Um, And these are all things we know, but it's great to see that everyone's going to agree and invest in their content.
1: I just hope all this catches on faster than mobile (laughs) because that's a long gestation period before people woke up. (laughs) One thing I I do want to call out here too is um, there's a really interesting, you know, know, we had the luxury of reading all of these things before we published it, you know, and um, uh, Marcus Tandler is a good friend of mine from onpage.org out of uh, Munich, Germany. um, You know, he said something that kind of really twisted my head around a bit, right? Um, and I was really impressed with it because you know, we still talk about conversion optimization. It's an opportunity for most businesses. They're not focused on it. Marcus's take is a little bit different. Um, he, he's thinking that the user experience optimization is going to be the dominating topic in his region this year. That's going to be the main focus. And that's different than CRO because CRO is more focused on that, that one path on the website through conversion and often the actual mechanics of it are applied to the final page. So the conversion page. And now what has to happen is businesses need to take the step forward and understand the entirety of the visitor's, you know, life cycle with them well before they get to that point. So CRO is still important. It's something you have to do, but it's the view of What is the overall user experience, the totality of the user experience looking like? And how can we influence them in the first stages to really drive them into that excellent conversion funnel that we've created? And this to me is, this is kind of like an underlying concept. We started to hear some people talking about this ripples in 2015, this concept of usefulness and how that applies across everything. And I think he's bang on with this. I think 2016 is going to be a year where this is going to start to break out.
3: Um, Maddie Carey wants to dub this 2016 the Year of Removing Resistance.
1: Love that. Love that. That is fantastic. Yeah. You know, and all of these things uh,
2: really at the end of the day – Reward businesses who do a good job of serving their customers properly. And you know, when you go online and you purchase something, and you have a great user experience from the minute you found this business online to you know the thank you note they send you for purchasing from them, and the review that you end up leaving them because of the great experience that you have—that it was a first-class operation all the way. I mean, that experience is what you're talking about, Dwayne, and it's where people really now uh, expect. And And I think, you know, things like Google's algorithms want a reward, right? You know, when you're talking about the first page of results in Google SERPs, obviously it's a a hard road to get there. Uh, But once you're there, it seems like user experience and satisfaction of the visitor is the defining point that gets you to move up the rankings, right? If you're satisfying users, if the sentiment for your business and your experience online is across the board exemplary, I think you're going to start to see those results uh, not only in your bottom line, but also where you rank.
4: If you want to hear more about all these predictions from expert SEOs, head over to the Bruce Clay blog. We have an article up with all the predictions. Um, Dwayne's predictions are there. Bruce's predictions are there. You'll also find an article that recaps SEO chat, which we talked about earlier in the show, and you can get all kinds of tips about the force of user experience. Um, There's also an exclusive video that you can find there. Thanks to Webmaster Radio for hosting us, and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to you on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on your preferred podcast app. For more from the Bruce Clay team, visit bruceclay.com blog. See you next time on SEM Synergy.